Well, here it is. The next episode of Aussie Rideshare, episode number 33. And I want to just preface this episode like I have the previous few by saying that these conversations recorded were done before this current COVID outbreak here in New South Wales. And I also want to just highlight that in one of the conversations you'll hear today, we've blanked out the name of the girl that's talking. At her request, she was happy to share the story, but she just asked if she could blank out her name, and more than happy to do that. So I hope you enjoy this next episode of Aussie Rideshare. Hi, my name's Christian, and this is Aussie Rideshare. I quit my corporate job so I could spend more time with my amazing daughters and have incredible chats with regular people here in Sydney. Because life's too short not to do something you love. So down here in Bondi, on what can only be described as a bloody horrible day for Uber driving. But I'm away to pick up Henry, 19 minute trip from the North Bondi RSL. We'll see where old mate's going. Oops, that car's gonna reverse into there. Sorry, champion. New message from Henry. There he is. No worries. I'm outside the North Bondi RSL. I got you, brother. Thank you, my man. G'day, mate. Hello, champion. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so sorry. I think the pickup point set me somewhere else. Or... It's all good, mate. We got you now. Mate, got no you worries. Now. Surrey Hills. Yeah, mate. Heading to Tio's. Nice, mate. Nice. Yeah. Um, bit of hand sanitizer in the back there for you, boss. Beautiful, mate. Done. And the microphone in the middle. Cool. Is me recording for my podcast. Okay. Hope you don't mind. No, that's fine. It's not live. It's just recorded. But yeah, that's fine. What are you uh, recording a podcast about? Just only. Oh. I'm the only Uber driver in the world yeah. that has a podcast where passengers share their own well, stories. Oh, congratulations! Right. Thank, Thank you, man. And um, I was. I live here in locally in Bondi. Yeah. But I was in the Sydney Morning Herald. I was on a current affair, the Today Show over the last month. Mate. Just uh, stupendous. Kicking goals, man. That's huge. Thank you, man. That's really cool. It's also a pretty novel idea. No one else in the world yeah. has it. That's so. Cool. I love it, mate. But I'm on the way after I drop you off. I go pick up my daughters from school. Yeah, cool. Hang out with them for a couple of hours, drop them to their mums, and that's it, man. Awesome, mate. Yeah. That's what are you, what are you up to? Uh, well, I'm here for business. So what do you do? Uh, I work for a gin distillery. Hello. Uh, in the Adelaide Hills. Oh, mate, I love the Adelaide Hills. I'm from Adelaide. Oh, really? Yeah, beautiful. So uh, up in Gamaraka. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's where we're from. So what's the um, what's the name of the gin distillery? Applewood Gin Distillery. Well, let's promote the hell out of them. Okay, yeah, no worries, mate. For sure. I've got a bit of gin here. If you if you want some as well, I can leave you with a bit of a present if you mate, like. Mate, dude, that'll be awesome. Yeah. I'll, po- I'll post about it on yeah. Instagram today. Mate, no worries. I'll do it. No so stress. Those, um, the QR codes in the back of the seat. Yeah. Instagram on the left, TikTok in the middle. Beauty. And the That's podcast on the right. right. Yeah, cool. Um, Mate, I, will, I will do a post today. It's happening right now. And mate, let's get the word out there. All right, done. That is awesome. Yeah. No, I'm up here. I'm the I'm the, uh, the brand ambassador for Applewood Gin and also Ochre, which is another product that we make. Okay. Uh, which is basically uh, Campari with a mullet. Uh, that's how I like to think about <laughs> Campari it. Campari with a mullet. Campari with a mullet. So it's it's basically a. Yeah, that a, is very South Australian, though, the mullet. Very South, it's very <laughs> South Australian. If, if, if that's where the idea came from, I can understand why. No, it, it actually came from. Uh, we, so really recently, uh, my my boss and my my counterpart for our wine company Unico Zello, okay, uh, went on a seven thousand eight hundred kilometer road trip around Australia uh, for a couple reasons. One, we wanted to go and try to support rural Australia during the pandemic. Awesome. Two, we wanted to meet all of our farmers personally because a really big part of our business is about traceability and yep. knowing where stuff comes from and knowing that. What every single part of what we put in the bottle is 
sustainably sourced and ethically made. Oh, that is um, fantastic. Well, yeah, because a lot of like a lot of people when we're talking about booze talk a lot about like, oh, we're carbon offsetting and like that's that's great and we, we should do that. But unfortunately, a lot of the time when you're carbon offsetting, you're actually overusing water, um, and. I think a lot of people talk the talk in terms of like we're using recycled plastics or like we're using recycled glass and that's phenomenal too but it doesn't take away from the fact that everything that you're putting in the bottle yep. isn't sustainable at all and is is actually detrimental to not only the, the environment but the social environment as well so we're really conscious of trying to become a more socially oriented company as well so we're the only certified B corporation distillery in the country is that right? That's right. That's what Adelaide brings to you. Table. That is awesome. So it's it's really really cool, and we're really excited about about doing that more. And, and part of that was going on this massive journey. And part of the journey took us to um, oh hello. Uh, part of the journey took us to Kainuna. Where the hell is Kainuna? Kainuna is two hundred around two hundred kilometres north of Longreach in the centre of Queensland. Okay. And the thing that is in Kainuna is the Walkabout Creek Hotel. Which everyone knows about. Which is the place where they filmed Crocodile Dundee. Rightio, okay. It's that pub. So this is a bit of a history lesson for me as well. A lot lot of fun. It's really, really cool. And so the now owner, we got there at around like 12.30 and <laughs> we walked in, met the owner's wife and we were like, look, this is what we're doing. We're here so we can actually like put this product on your back bar. Like we journeyed there specifically so that they could try ochre, so that they could taste our products and and like hear our story because we were really passionate about Crocodile Dundee being like one of our few cultural exports that actually caught on with the rest of the world. Yeah, it's still, a true Aussie export. Yeah, right. And so we, we, we just wanted to show them something that was kind of inspired by the place that they now own. And the owner came in after we'd had a few Bundy and Cokes. Um, or as he called them, sugarcane champagne. Oh, I like that. So good. I like that. Yeah, sugar like, cane. oh yeah, a bit of sugarcane champagne. I was oh, like, beautiful. no worries, champion. You are the right man for this. That is awesome. We, we gave it to him and, and we were like, look, here's some ochre. There you go. He's like, what is it? And we were like, oh, it's it's kind of like Campari. Do you know what Campari is? He was like, I know what Campari is. Right yeah, here, I'm running a bar. Yeah, he was, you know, he was just like, he was really quite funny about it. And then he had a sip and he went, oh yeah, that's Campari with a mullet. And we were like, and that's iconic. We're using that. So yeah, that's there's actually no, there's no copyright from. on it. We're taking it. No, we yeah we took it. We took it and ran with it. So that's actually where it comes from. The man who coined the phrase is the owner of the Crocodile Dundee Walkabout Creek Hotel in Kainuna. Man, I love what I do. Which is pretty, which I is love pretty what awesome. I do. The people I get to pick up, mate, it's pretty I just cool. left field. It is so awesome. Yeah. So how long have you been involved in what you do then? Uh, oh, mate, I've been in the booze industry since I could bartend. Um, Did so, you work in Adelaide? No, I so I actually started working in Melbourne. Okay. Um, and then uh, from there I moved to Perth. Okay. Uh, for my degree, and while I was doing doing my degree, I picked up uh, some bar jobs in order to just pay my way and earn a little bit of extra money. Uh, and then after that, I moved to Sydney. So I lived in Sydney for a few years, and then uh, after that, I worked in worked in bars in Sydney. Uh, and then after that, I moved back to Melbourne because uh, I just kind of wanted to kind of come home I guess yeah, yeah I get it and I worked for a, a retailer there for a little bit of time and then I saw that Applewood was hiring applied for the job and uh, here we are now here we are how long have you been with them for uh, nearly 18 months love it yeah oh mate it's the best job in the world it's that the best job phenomenal. in the world phenomenal yeah and also because it's it's about something greater than booze now for me 
because it, we're an agricultural add-on. That's what a distillery is. Right? Actually, that's a really good. I mean, I came from a from a horticulture background in my yeah. previous job. Um, and I, I just wouldn't have associated that with agriculture. Well, not many people do, right? Why would you? I mean, no, it's alcohol is alcohol, right? Absolutely. So we don't we don't associate it with well everything that we grow. We need to ferment in order to distill. Yeah, okay. Well, and it all go. comes from organic sugars, which you're finding at farms. Yeah, that makes sense. When, yeah. you, when you when you break it down like that, that makes yeah. sense. And that's that's what Applewood was all about. I mean, Applewood was about trying to solve an agricultural, a systemic agricultural problem in Australia. Yeah. Which was, we've overcleared and overfarmed a, an extraordinarily old continent. In fact, the oldest continent on the planet, which is Australia. The oldest soil in the world is found here in the Kimberley. It's 3.6 billion years old. Fair enough. I'll, 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 take, I'll take your word for it. To put that in perspective, it's seven times older than Uluru. Okay, well, that's fairly old then, isn't it? It's very old, right? And we've overfarmed it and we've overcleared it for grazing. And so part of the one of the big problems is, well, we need to reforest it. The question is, what do you reforest it with? And how can you incentivize people to even do that in the first place, right? Well, you need to give them a market. And we were like, okay, well, what's, what's, distilleries use a, a ridiculous amount of organic matter, and especially gin distilleries. And gin distilleries are the only, a, a gin, when you're distilling a gin, you've got to rely on much more than just like a monoculture product. Okay. So things like tequila, you're relying on Blue Weber agave. Things like whiskey, you're relying on barley, right? And it's one, it's one crop. Whereas gin, you're relying on not only your base spirit, whatever you're going to make your base spirit out of, but then you've got to rely on juniper, and then you've got to rely on as many botanicals as you wish to put in there as well. So there's actually now a demand for all of these different plants. And if we can incentivize farmers to put things in the ground that are good for the soil, and actually... Everyone's winning. Precisely. So we started using native Australian fruit and native Australian herbs. What's the signature bottle? Uh, the signature gin is literally called Applewood Gin. Um, it is full of desert lime. How are you going out there in the marketplace at the moment? Uh, you know, you, obviously you're out there pushing it, which is good. Yeah. How, how, how are you going? Look, I mean, we're, we're doing we're doing all right. It's 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 a bit of a hard slog sometimes, just simply because in order to break down a product like Applewood you've actually got to spend some time listening to it right okay um, and a lot of the time people just kind of go like as we were talking about before it's like well you know booze is booze right doesn't matter yeah it's it's no, there's no there's no real like sense of craft or like sense of of place once you tell the story do you find you get more traction then definitely so how I mean you seem to know your stuff and I love the fact that you sat in here and you've given me a spiel about where it's come from, about the fact there's the agricultural link, um, you know, the story of the mullet. That, that's, that's a kicker right there. Yeah, it's good you know, fun. That, yeah. that, that, that I love. Um, how are you going over here in Sydney at the moment? So you're at the RSL? Uh, no, I was actually at North Bondi. Fish. Okay, so are they going to have a look at it? They definitely are, yeah. Well, awesome. I mean, God, uh, <laughs> I, I hope so. just said, oh, yeah, they definitely are. We no, no, we'll, 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 we'll convert them. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get them um, across the line. But yeah, no, no, they should do. Um, there's, a, there's a few more venues that I've picked up from being here. Yeah, nice. Um, you know, uh, Melbourne has been the most responsive market outside of, outside of Adelaide. Is there, a, is, there a, is there a big saturation in the gin area? I mean... It depends Gordon's how you look at it. Gordon's and the, you know, the, you know, stock standard. It depends how you look at it, though, because it's like, well, every, like, look at the wine industry. 
Is there an oversaturation in the wine industry, do you think? Well, it's funny. It's a, it's a strange question you ask because last week um, I signed a deal with uh, a company called Brave New World. Yeah, yeah. Dot wine. Yeah, Brave New World. They're great, yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm glad you said that because a mate of mine runs that. Yeah, cool. And I signed a deal with them last week to give every 200th passenger in my car a couple of bottles of local wine yeah. to support the Australian and New Zealand boutique, yeah, boutique wine, wine makers. And because yeah, they were at the, a lot of these wines that I got last week, um, you know, they were at the boutique wine show in December, mm. trophy winners and what have you. And I love the fact there's punters like yourself out there just going out and trying to do something for the local growers. Like yeah. Adelaide, South Australia, phenomenal joint. I didn't even know they had a gin distillery. Oh, yeah, and man. It just blows my mind that there's yeah. these things out there. We've got, I think, at last count, there are somewhere in the realm of like 14 gin distilleries just in South Australia. There's now almost 180 gin distilleries in Australia. I've got to drink more gin. Yeah, man. There's tons. Definitely got to drink so more gin. It's one of those things where people are like, oh, but the gin industry is saturated. It's like, well, I mean, you drink wine, though. The wine industry is far more saturated than the gin industry. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So it, it's while. I suppose the cynic within me would love to would love to say, yeah, the gin industry is oversaturated. Why isn't there more space for little old me? At the same time, there is because there's always going to be people who care about where stuff comes from. Yeah, and your point that's your point of difference. Yeah. That's that's your hook, is that you've got that awesome story about the mullet, and plus you've got all these other bells and whistles that go along. I mean, I love yeah. that story. I'm going to tell that story oh, mate, dude. so much, and it's going to, it'll make the podcast, matey. Okay. I, I, I can't wait to have this. It'll be, it'll be in the one of one of the three or four upcoming episodes. All right, cool. So awesome. follow me on Instagram, and, I'll, and I'll tag you. Yeah. And if yeah. if the company has an Instagram sure. as well, yeah, I'll tag them in it as well because I think there's no better thing for us to do than go and celebrate local industry. Yeah, please. Like you, you guys are killing it. Thanks, mate. Yeah, look, you're very kind to say. But yeah, it's um, I don't know local industry has always mattered to us and. And that's the same for our wine brand as well. Like our wine brand was about how can we incentivize farmers to grow stuff that doesn't yep. require so much water. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Do you drink gin? Yes. Did you drink gin before? Yes. Your favorite gin from the company you're with now, what's the what's the one that you just go, you know what, that's that's nice to have. And how would you how would you have your gin? What's the best way to serve the gin? Look, I, I I'd love to give some kind of you know, creative, ridiculous answer here. But to be honest, gin and tonic, like, like keeping it simple, gin and tonic is is fantastic. With a wedge of lemon or lime? I actually really enjoy, we, we create a gin called Coral, uh, which is a pink gin um, that is actually, odd. it becomes saltier as you dilute it. So it becomes more savory and salty. I really like that um, with, you know, a low sugar tonic and ruby grapefruit. Loving it. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's really, really good. I'm loving it, man. Um, other than that, gimlets. I really like gimlets. Wow. Um, which sound like a very complex cocktail. Uh, it's really not. It's lime juice, sugar, and gin. Yes, that, shake that, it like that, a daiquiri. That's right up my alley. Oh, mate, it's that is it's right so up my alley. It's it's absolutely wonderful, especially when like you know daiquiris can sometimes be a little bit cloying sometimes. Whereas like gin keeps it light herbal and then depending on how you want to change the gin, you can absolutely change the, the DNA of that drink. I reckon you're going to convert because years ago, I'm a bit older than you are, champion. Yeah. But years ago, I, I had a bad experience on gin when I was in my, you know, and it's taken me the better part of close to 25 years mm. to get back to the point where I'll have a gin and tonic or, 
you know, just it, if it's a nice hot day, mm-hmm. um, that's when it tends to come out. Yeah. Uh, for me, that's when it's like the whole Aperol spritz type drink. Absolutely. Uh, you kill it. Absolutely yeah. kill it. So, mate, I'm, you've made my day. Oh, thanks. You absolutely made my day. I love what I do. I love the fact you're out there pushing what you do. Yeah, man. And, mate, I wish you all the success in the world. Look, I, I really appreciate it, mate. Thank you. I, it, it means a lot to me because I mean, it's part of the reason that trip for me was so important. Yeah, nice. It's because when I go out and do these things, and like go and push spirit. Um, I'm not doing it for me anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've met all the people I'm doing it for, which is uh, the most sentimental thing I'll probably say today. Yeah, but um, that's a good thing, man. I like that. You've got great yeah. passion about what you do. Yeah, and, and it's it's about more than just selling booze for us. So, yeah, it's a really important thing. And well, it's a really it. important thing to know where you're getting your food from. Um, and knowing the people who are behind it. Like, you're, you remind me a lot of a bloke I had in an earlier episode. He got in and he worked at Jim Beam. Oh, yeah, true. And when you listen to his episode, mm. have a listen to it. And he um, he was just, a, and I say this with all, all respect, he was an Aussie Ocker lad like yourself. Yeah. And, mate, he told a great story about Jim Beam. <laughs> and you've told a great story about the gin. Yeah. And I absolutely love that, mate. So um, when we stop, I just want to grab a quick little video with you yeah for sure for mate. instagram yeah no worries. um because mate this is what it's all about it's oh, getting out geez. there and promoting what a everyone. serendipitous meeting i love it man you beauty mate pleasure take Thank it you. easy boss will do mate have a great day mate i will do i've followed you so awesome um, please when you when it happens just let me mate, know I'll, I'll, I'll tag you in champion easy as mate see you buddy see take care well that was henry and he was a good crack that lad Fantastic who you get in the car. Anyway, that's it for now. It's been a tough, tough little session. This this one today, seven hours, 200 bucks, and bloody hell, it's been a lot of dead driving. But every now and again, you get that little nugget that makes you think to yourself, well, that's the reason why I do this. So, mate, great story. Can't wait to get you on the podcast. It's the first trip today on the Monday, and it's my 23-minute trip. Hey, my. How are you going? Yeah, well, thank you. There's a bit of hand sanitizer in the back there for oh, you. Thank you. And the microphone in the middle is just me recording for my podcast. Oh, how exciting. I hope you don't mind. Of course not. Uh, what do you do at the hospital? I'm a midwife. Alright, oh, awesome. Yeah. What made you get into being a midwife? Oh, is this for the podcast or just for life? Because it's a bit of a long story. Well, we've got, we've got 23 minutes. <laughs> um, so, I. Wanted to do something in women's health. Yep. Um, and I was originally going to get into politics and international relations to help with female genital mutilation in Africa. Wow. Um, then went to Africa and realised that I was going to help a lot more if I had a trade behind me. Yep. So did my midwifery, fell in love with the clinical side of it, which I, yeah, originally wasn't the plan as such. And then did go to Africa, but have that's just not the path my life has taken me. So yeah, I'm just being in the hospitals and yeah. So the, the genital mutilation though, mm-hmm. what was it about that that inspired you to do what you're doing? Oh, because it's just so horrific and I'm from, from London. So you see not a fair bit of it really. And it, I just found it so heartbreaking and wanting to help women through 
not even around childbirth necessarily, but through that time of their life. What is the youngest that they do that to the children? Oh, ki kids, babies. No way. Yeah. And what's the what's what's the the reason behind it? So that, um, well, for many reasons. So that because they're not meant to, the clitoris is seen as dirty because they're not meant to enjoy sex and things like that. And there's very various different forms that you can have of genital mutilation. So you can just have the labia cut or the clitoris, the whole clitoris cut, and the labia. Um, and it's just meant to make you purer and as a woman really. I assume there's no uh, anaesthetic? No, no, no. And often it's done by like an older member of the society with dirty tools and things like that. So then obviously there's that HIV risk as well. And the kids die from sepsis. that? Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, as a father of two daughters, that is grim. Yeah. Um, and does it still happen today? Obviously it still happens yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. Commonplace? Yeah, yeah. Common activity in Africa. There's quite... Um, I mean, there's obviously more people trying to prevent it now that it's become more well known. Like we know about it a lot more now than we used to. Um, and obviously, when they go to places like from Africa to England and places like that, social services get involved. And if a child is left, generally they have it done around 11, 12, and if they seem to have left school, and um, then teachers and stuff will raise it to social services and in the airports and stuff they're a lot more alert about it is anybody ever charged over that sort of thing or is it just because it's the yeah. cultural well here well not necessarily here but back home yeah so they do it in they, the uk they would be sent back home to then come to the uk if that makes sense so they might all live in the uk but they'd be sent back to the village or but so when they, they come it. back are people in the uk charged with can be yeah facilitating that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. That is mad. And did you see it firsthand in Africa? And in England, more in England. Well, both. Yeah, I was in Tanzania, so not as much as um, back home because where I trained had quite a large Somalian population. How does that affect you, though, as someone that sees that? Like, well, I you just, just want to help as much as possible. I bet you do. That's wow. That's incredible. Mm. What made you come to Australia? Uh, I'll break up. <laughs> Always the way. Yeah. Generally, it's either you're following someone here or you're breaking you're up with someone. You're running away from someone. Yeah. Whereabouts in the UK? Uh, so I was from London, but then lived in Essex for most of my life. Right, okay. Um, but worked in London. So do you think it'll, it'll ever be stopped? God, hopefully. But maybe, probably not in our lifetime. But it is getting a lot better. There are, because there's so much, as I say, like charities around it, and um, so many women are now speaking out about what happened to them, which obviously before, it was kind of like an unknown thing because people didn't speak about it. And also, when you're in that community and all your friends have had it done, your family have had it done, you think it's normal. As harrowing as it is, like anything, if, if that's all you've known. That is, that is mental though, isn't it? Yeah. So what's your role in midwifery now? What do you do? Just deliver babies? No, so I work on the postnatal ward. Right, awesome. At the moment, yeah, so help mummies and dads when they've had their baby. Was it hard through COVID? Um, well, it not was, but I think because of at home everything was going so badly, I think I was just so privileged, to, so lucky to be here and not at home where it was so bad. 
um like obviously we had to wear the masks and all that and it was horrible like you just if you just wanted to hug a woman sometimes and particularly they're going through such an emotional time in their life yeah um have you got children no do you think you will no hopefully yeah hopefully one day how many would you like you just never I, it's hard to say because you see such things at work you don't <laughs> i can't even imagine putting myself in that situation at the moment and when you're not with anyone it's hard to picture that isn't it yeah um, so how long you been in australia for only a year yeah and then covid happened well the bushfires obviously and then you've had a tough start <laughs> a weird year to be here but it's great it's beautiful and, and you love it love it that's awesome yeah yeah, very loud. You can't really do midwifery if you don't love it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> it's just yeah, too... but, yeah, there are there are some jobs you can probably do and just grin and bear it, and you know, you just put up with what it is. But yeah, that sort of job, you need that emotional just... connection and that. Oh, if you're not emotionally invested in the, I'm probably a bit too much. But... Yeah, I get the sense you might be. <laughs> I get um... the sense you might be, but uh, now was it always the? When did you start realizing you wanted to be in this field, though? How, how young? Oh, young, young very young is that because you just you always wanted to look after babies oh, to yeah. start with not babies you can't you shouldn't really not you shouldn't do midwifery but midwifery is all about the woman really yeah because you see them for nine months when they're pregnant and it's about caring for the woman and then caring for the woman to care for her child more than just looking after babies all the time yeah um because we never look after a baby without looking after the mum of course as well so yeah, and I, I always knew I wanted to help people and I knew predominantly from quite a young age that I wanted it to be <laughs> quite the feminist. How come not the men? What, what, why, why have we missed out on these expertise? <laughs> and, well, because I thought it was going to be international. That's where I really thought. I thought it would be more charity work and things like that. Life has just led me, thank God, down this path. Do you think you'd go down the charity path, though? Maybe when I'm older. Yeah. Maybe when shift work and all that I'm getting tired of and do you ever get tired of what you're doing now though I get tired of this like the shifts are tiresome but not of what you do oh no 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 not of midwifery just of the hours and obviously you're on your feet all day that sort of thing rather than and nights and day shifts but that's typical of any shift work isn't it yeah like you you must hate like do various hours and yeah like I'm lucky in that regard that I just generally do days and the latest I'll work is maybe 8 o'clock, but that's after Even stopping. Even on a Saturday night. Yeah, I, I try not to do nights because with the podcast, especially, people get a little bit sort of you know they, they think it's a microphone to sing into. Oh, um, oh and, I could so imagine me doing that after a glass of wine. There you go. See, <laughs> and you know, again, I try and work when it's surging. You know, when it rains, it's better. And I like my. I have two children that I shared care with week on week off. Oh, so yeah. when I've got them, it's all about them. How old are they? Uh, eight and twelve. So oh, when you were talking about the eleven-year-olds, oh yeah, you can. It's quite oh, harrowing, isn't it? I just yeah. I look at my daughter and think that I, I, it just astounds me that this sort of stuff still happens. It's a bit like I mean, I know there's a lot of work that's been done in child prostitution and that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. And there's the people that go out there and rescue those kids. I just they're incredible. Yeah. You know, it's a bit like yourself in the work that you do, and the cause that you're fighting for. There's just not enough people that do it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the human trafficking is a real 
Real so when you see the kids that have been affected with the genital mutilation... Well, I don't see them as kids, I would see them as adults. So you see them as adults? Having a child, yeah. Do you not, do, I mean, do you not just get emotionally uh, sort of sucked into that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, of course. I, I want to shoot, like, every story is like different. with human trafficking and like with any domestic violence, rape, sexual, anything you do get so emotional because you care so much about the woman you just want to protect them and yeah. their family and and you just feel so honored that so privileged i should say that a how lucky we are to live this life oh i've just run away from an ex-boyfriend and moved to australia like how yeah. lucky am i yeah you're not doing too bad are you oh look at me and also but how blessed i am that i hopefully get to help a woman in some sort of mind away do you ever go home and have a cry? Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not so much here, because obviously it's a very different population here. Yeah. Um, you just don't have the same social issues. Of course there are some, but not not compared to obviously what I saw back home. Yeah, wow. Um, but that's different in areas and hospitals and things like that. What, so, effect, what affects you the most over here? What have you seen, what do you see here that, you, that is comparable to you know what you saw in Africa? Oh, there isn't a comparison to be honest. There is, I haven't probably because I haven't been here long enough yet. But I haven't there. I haven't really been involved in any sort of social situations here, which is lovely. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, which just shows. But as I say, working for Deborah, two very different areas. Yeah. No, here, here it's been just lovely. <laughs> it's a lovely country and you, when you move over as an adult, it's scary because you don't know if you're going to make friends or if you're going to settle in. Or... So why Australia then? When you broke up with your ex, whose decision, <laughs> whose decision was that? Mine. Okay, so you broke up with, with old mate? Yeah. And what? <laughs> then what? I went travelling for yep. a bit. Where did you go? Uh, around Asia, yeah, which was amazing. I climbed Annapurna for a rape charity, actually, which was lovely, which was amazing experience. Um, and then I Tottenham. I don't know if you know much about football. Yeah, I, I'm a Tottenham supporter. You're not. I am. Yeah. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, so so went back to the Champions League final. Yeah. Which obviously we lost. Yeah. So do you go to the Surrey Hills Hotel then? I've never seen you there. No, I don't because I mean I'm, I'm a lot older than you, and whilst I say I support Tottenham, I'm not the a diehard. Games, yeah. yeah, I'm not a, to a diehard Tottenham supporter. Um, I first started supporting Tottenham when I went to the UK in 1997. Oh wow! And the people that I was knocking around with were all Tottenham supporters. So they said you have little choice. If you want to hang around with us, you become a Tottenham supporter. And they, they weren't—they were diehard in the sense that they were emotionally invested in the results. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they wouldn't travel overseas to go. But that's just—that's—that's that's still not a bad supporter. It's just you know they had other stuff on. So um, yeah, still follow Tottenham as best I can, but not oh, a diehard yes. supporter like you, I think. Oh no. <laughs> So Any went, sort of supporting is good. Yeah, exactly. So you, um, you went back, Champions League. So I went back and had the Champions League and then said to my old work, oh, I'm decided I'm going to move because I got, technically I got given a year out, yep. um, which was amazing of them. And then um, worked back in London for a couple of months and then, yeah, came here in 
October. So why Australia though? Were, 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 oh, were, sorry. were you, were you oh. going between Australia and, and the US or was no, it? I needed somewhere that. It's far enough um, from old mate. <laughs> no, that spoke English. Yeah. And that midwifery I could transfer over. And that was Australia easy. Australia really easy. Oh, that's awesome. To do that uh, English nurses and aside from the fact we've had bushfires and we've had you know droughts and we've had floods and we've had coronavirus how good is it here oh it's unreal i mean you're pretty close to the beach as am i i live in like i'm constantly i'm just so lucky i'm just so blessed to be here every day i just think how lucky i am like when you see that sea or oh totally it's so much safer here it's so much it's just such a better lifestyle I mean, I Ubered yesterday and then stopped and then went for a four-hour walk. Wow. And just... I mean, how amazing. Yeah, ended up down at Bondi, got my daughters a couple of Christmas things, uh, got a book for... I've got a celebrity in my car today that I'm taking for an hour and a half drive Ooh, as part of the podcast. Podcasts. Yeah. So I went and got him a book because I give each one of my celebrities the same book and it's called A Fortunate Life. Oh, right. Awesome book. It's the book I read once a year. But I went, so I did that as part of my four-hour walk. And I was just sitting there for about 15 minutes just watching everybody at the beach. You know, the surfers, the boarders, swimmers, just people going by. Just thinking, this is ridiculous how lucky we are. Yeah. And no reason to complain at all. Oh, we're so... honest to God, every day, and as I say, emotional wreck over here. But I do get quite tearful because we are just living this life when the rest of the world have gone to absolute chaos. Yeah. How's everyone back home with the COVID? Uh, yeah, most of my family have had it. Really? Um, yeah, my parents haven't, thank God. My dad had to isolate. Well, he didn't leave the house for 12 weeks because he's diabetic. Um, so, if you were at high risk, you couldn't leave. Yep. Um, and, yeah, a couple of... Sadly, we've lost a couple of people. Were you supposed to go back at any point, or were you here for a year or two and then head back home to see family, or no, what's so the? No, so I was, um, yeah, meant to be going back in April, and then a couple of weeks ago I was meant to be, yeah, going on holiday with my mum. Well, but... it's, you, you can bank the money and then have a great holiday when it's oh, all done. And also, if the biggest trouble in my life is that I can't go on holiday, I think we're very lucky. <laughs> oh, don't worry, I was saying the same thing yesterday to myself. If the, my biggest issue is what time to go and have a walk and a swim. Yeah, you're doing all right. Yeah, I mean, I get my, I get my daughters, I see them, you know, as a you know, share care week on, week off. I'm sure it's not as easy as it sounds, but it sounds like you've both done a pretty good deal. Well, the deal on the children is easy. Yeah. Um, yeah there's always bits and pieces that still need to be worked out, you know, just, but that's just, that, that that's what a separated life offers you. You know, yeah. in some regards, you'd rather have that argument about, whatever it is you're arguing about as being separate as opposed to being in a loveless relationship. Yeah. Because at least that way you can both be happy in your new lives. Yeah. And just and just argue about the finicky stuff, the stuff that really doesn't matter, but we still argue about it because, you know, that's what... That's just human nature. That's just human nature. Yeah. Uh, I've got to check myself sometimes because I'm a bit of a headstrong idiot, but not not in a terribly bad way, but you just sort of get your back up a bit sometimes, but... Over the last four years since being separated, I think I've learned to be somewhat less headstrong. Because life's too short. That's the reason why I quit full-time work last November to drive Uber full-time. What well, did you do before? I was a relationship manager, you know, senior account manager, that sort of thing. Oh, right. And when you're in the corporate world, you just 
you know, you get caught up in the board reports and people politics, all that sort of stuff, and that's all well and good, but um, I just figured, I just I just don't want to do it anymore. I'll just be back in this lady I'm picking up next. Um, I just don't want to do it anymore, so I figured... How brilliant is that? that it's great. You the balls to change your life. A lot of people don't. And I'd say to everyone, I mean, I'm lucky enough that I can do it. But it's, I think it's important what you talk about, though. I mean, if there's someone else out there I've that wants to... a random to... conversation we've had as well. Surely that's what it's all about, though. That's what it's all about. <laughs> and that's the thing, though. I mean, there's some of the conversations I've had with people, you know, other people then hear that conversation and send me messages saying, oh, I love that aspect of that conversation. This, I'm going to do this differently. So if there's someone out there that's not sure about what they want to do with their career and they decide, well, that's... I want to go down the same path as my... Mm. Then we've all won. And if you research what we've spoke about as well, they're important issues. That's exactly, so, so there you go. That's the reason, you know, that's why I'm so lucky I get to do this. Very lucky. Very, very good. I think we all are here. Yeah, exactly. Good. So I hope you yeah. succeed in everything you do. I'm sure you will. Oh, you sound thank like, you so much. You sound like an amazing girl. Oh. <laughs> okay, where would you like me to drop you? Just on the left, please. Just, Just where you? that car is, yeah. Okay, up left? Yes, please. No problem. Thank I can you so, so much. No problem at all. I can swing back around, can't I? Yeah, just go round. Oh, got oh, there's it. There a round about there. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great day, my Thank you so much. No dramas. Keep up the awesome work. <gasps> Only thing is, for the, um, I just, I'm not allowed to say where I work. Okay, well, I'll, I'll scratch thing. out that part. Yeah. No problem at all. Or I'm not sure, because of the whole midwifery red tape, no, no. I'm not sure about my game and where I work. We'll, we'll scratch both those out. Thank you so much. No worries, darling. Have an awesome Have day. Have a lovely day. Thanks for the interesting email. Thanks. <laughs> See ya. Oh, I hope it goes well with this celebrity. Cheers, darling. <laughs> well, that was the unnamed midwife who works at a hospital we can't mention. She was awesome. Genital mutilation. Oh, my God. I just can't even begin to think how gruesome and tragic and painful that would be for the girls that are involved. Well done to you, miss. Awesome work. Well, there it is, episode 33 of Aussie Rideshare. A couple of fantastic conversations. <laughs> I really enjoyed the chat. Henry, the gin maker from South Australia, Adelaide. What a cracking joint that is. To all my mates back home, g'day. And I hope to see you soon. It's a m just the most amazing work that she is doing. I just, I just can't begin to know how she gets up out of bed and does the work she is. But I tell you what, she is an absolute superhero, that girl. So thanks to both my passengers for their incredible stories. And uh, for all those people that have liked, shared, reviewed, rated, commented, I can't, I just can't thank you enough. I really am truly blessed that I get to call this my podcast. And again, I look forward to sharing with you some more episodes as they come. Stay safe and take care.